Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot 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 writer, foster child advocate, and this week, manager of construction chaos because our kitchen facelift has started. I apologize if you can hear it in the background. And I think for the next foreseeable number of podcasts, I'll just be that. That'll be my thing I, because it's <laughs> chaos here. Oh my gosh. Do you have befores? Before pictures? We will have befores. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then afters, hopefully, eventually. <laughs> I hope the afters come quickly, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And this week, graduation prepper. As we are recording, it is two days until graduation. As you are listening to this, I have a graduate who, holy crap, better have a job by now because, <laughs> oh my gosh, every day I'm like, oh, you know how to use Indeed.com? But anyway, but yeah, we are cleaning cars, we're pulling weeds, getting ready for gas, buying food. We've never had this much food in our kitchen, so very excited. It's going to be a fun week. It is going to be a fun week. I'm excited for you. Well, our guest today, we are also excited about, it is Jean Steele, mom and dot, 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 writer, educator, consultant, calendar designer, and literary liaison. In addition to her day job as a middle school librarian, Jean is a consultant for PBS Learning Media, has written for several online publications, and is currently revising her coming of middle age novel, which I cannot wait to read. I know the premise of the book, and I'm really excited oh, about that it. That sounds so good. Jean regularly collaborates with her local bookstore, Newtonville Books, to host author events to create community through the power of books. Jean is also an entrepreneur and co-founder of the calendar company, Schedule, and we'll be talking a lot about that later. She lives just outside of Boston with that husband, two children, and countless books. Welcome. Thank you. It is so wonderful to be here. I'm really excited. And I am always excited to talk to a librarian. A hundred percent. I have a hundred percent track record of every librarian I've ever met being just completely awesome. So I'm looking Aww. forward to learning more about you. And we learned a little bit about you uh, in your bio, but can you also give us a little 101 about where your career started and any big decisions along the way that got you to where you are? Well, I started off really as a kid, really passionate about storytelling, writing, you know, scripts and plays and stories and all that good stuff. And I set my ambitions on becoming a filmmaker one day. So in college, I studied cinema and photography and I had an opportunity to spend some time in Los Angeles, naturally the entertainment mecca of the world. And one summer I worked on, a, on the Universal lot as a costume intern. And so that was a great opportunity to see what it's like behind the curtain, like the ins and outs of a movie. So cool. Um, yeah, very, very cool. And yet also um, very average in a weird way. Yeah. Um, you know, you just at the end of the day, you're you're still doing your your desk job or you're running errands as, you know, an intern and whatnot. Um, but there definitely were some cool perks. And then I returned to Los Angeles after I graduated from college. And this time I worked for a talent agent. And that was another great opportunity because I got to see what it was like on the deal making side of things in the film world. And as much as I had, you know, fabulous stories to tell my friends and family about my adventures, it wasn't satisfying me creatively. And I felt like a bit of an anomaly because, and I love the people that I worked with at this agency, but they, they thought it was almost admirable that I'd go home 
after work and I wouldn't turn on the TV or I wouldn't go to the movies. I was really just like snuggled up with a good book. And they were just like, how do you read? (laughs) (laughs) Darn tune, I read. Um, But and I just decided to pivot at that point. I saw that if I continued to do the work and I continued to put myself out there that I would do really well for myself. But it wasn't giving me that satisfaction that I had so craved that I really felt in my my roots as a kid. And so I pivoted. I come from a long line of teachers. My grandmother taught in a one-room schoolhouse. My parents were teachers. And I said, you know what? Like, let's get creative day one. Like, let's go back to school and become a teacher. And so I I did that. I taught in New York City. I met my now husband, uh, taught in Boston. And then I pivoted once again after I had children. I took a good amount of time off and it gave me the space to reimagine what I wanted to do professionally. And so I took my love of literature because that was my favorite part of teaching. And then my love of tech and research and became a school librarian. So it's been fun. It's really, you know, when I when I started working in education, I was subbing at my old elementary school and I ran oh, to a awesome. former teacher. And she said, she said, oh, you're coming from the entertainment industry, huh, Jean? I said, yeah, I know. It's This is a really big pivot going into education. And she said, no, no, no. She's like, if you want to be a great educator, you have to be an entertainer. You have to know how to take information and make it accessible and fun and engaging. And she's right. She's right. Yeah. So it's served me well. Yeah, that makes a lot wow. of sense. It really does. And I didn't know all of that about your story. So I'm excited to hear that. And I want we want to go back to some of that. We're going to jump around a little bit, but we want to talk about entrepreneurship for a minute before mm-hmm. we launch into some of the other things you're doing now. But we want to talk about what it's like to have an idea for a business and think of a product and then make it happen. Like I really don't understand that, how you go from idea to thing. So tell us about Schedule and how it came to be. Well, it came to be during the pandemic, like a lot of great ideas and changes. I feel like in my family, we made small changes and big changes during that time. <laughs> and I, I found that I... I was going to blow if one more person in my house asked me what we're having for dinner. I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. I don't know if you two relate. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it just seems this universal thing. And so I I was trying to find a, a wall calendar where I could take that dry erase marker and, you know, put up the schedule for the week. And nothing was really matching what I wanted. And for me, as a writer and a book lover, I've always been drawn to quotes. And so I ended up just getting my own long roll of dry erase paper. And I, you know, smacked it onto our kitchen wall. And I put an inspiring quote for the week. And I really, it felt like it anchored whatever was our challenge, um, whatever our challenge was for the week, you know, something to look upon. It could be, you know, we had seen a movie that week and we got really playful, like with Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like life moves pretty fast if you don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? But then it could also be something more serious. And then I just, I I put, you know, our family's important information in our schedule. And then I also included to-dos and then dinner. And then when my family, my husband included, asked me, you know, that dreaded question, what's for dinner or, you know, what time's my Zoom? Or I suddenly I could remove myself from the equation because I really wasn't needed. You can take it upon yourself to go to the board. Now it's called schedule 
and figure it out for yourself. And it it was so nice because that I didn't feel that like resentment or frustration that people were asking me questions that they could find the answers to themselves. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. It makes, oh, so, it makes much. so much sense. I feel like we had a discussion about this during the pandemic as an episode. Mm -hmm probably a hundred episodes ago where I had the biggest aha moment. Cause it was, it was annoying me so much that everybody would come to me like, what's for dinner? First of all, the fact that they think that I am the primary dinner maker, which shouldn't necessarily be the case, right. but just this idea that, yeah, you can find that out some other way, but it, it hit me finally that in this world where they had no control of anything and everything was so upside down, oh. like just having this knowledge of like, what's going to happen next and having like an, a tentpole moment in their day that is dinner yeah. and they know what it's going to be is like this anchoring security of like what their future holds when everything else is so uncertain. So I just think that is a beautiful thing to, it's a gift to them. It's a yeah, gift you to you because they're not bugging you, but it also right. is a gift to them because I think that is, they're not asking to drive us crazy. They're asking because that is just one element of certainty in a completely uncertain world for them. Yeah. And so I think it is, it's like a little security. I appreciate the way you shared that because that is, it, it's an empathetic approach. Like you, they're not, no one's trying to bug us. And especially during COVID having that sense of safety, knowing, okay, I know I have to leave the house by X amount of time to do, you know, whatever, or my zoom begins at, you know, this time. And when kids know that they can answer their own questions, it creates this sense of confidence and, and independence, yep. which is so important when the, the wheels had come off the bus. So yes. to speak. Yeah. And even now, my because kids want to know what's next, whether it's food, whatever they need to know. And they want to know the time, and but I have really time-conscious kids. I don't know where they came from. It's not <laughs> my thing. I suppose that came from their father, but... Um, it's really, really important to them to know what's next and it, to have it big and on the wall and easily changeable and easily accessible is a great idea. Yeah. I think and, at and first I was scared to do it because I just thought they would complain about what was for dinner for that much longer. Well, but that I does happen. Do, but yeah. I, I have actually found the opposite though, because it gives them, because usually we'll try to have a couple days up there and it, I think it just gives their minds time to accept that, okay, the those enchiladas are coming again. <laughs> That's what we're okay, eating. Okay, <laughs> fine. So yeah, it's, I think it actually takes away a little bit of the surprise. Hey, and they're welcome, right? Anytime they want to make they want to make dinner, exactly. they can exactly they can write you know whatever it is they want to make. Yes, right. As long oh. as I'm ready for macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> yes. yes. Dinner of choice. <laughs> okay. Yes. Now I am, I'm the nuts and bolts girls. I yes, like to is. know, like I'm picturing you on Shark Tank now with this idea. Like <laughs> if there is someone out there that has this invention idea or a product, because there's a kind of the difference between a service. We talk to a lot of people who do services of coaching or different podcasters or writers. And that's just something you can just kind of you just do, you know, you buy a few mm -hmm. things, um, but producing an actual product is a mm. whole different animal that I'd never even thought of. So like, where do people even start with something like that when you're looking at manufacturing a product? It's such a good question because you're right. It isn't just you and your idea. It's something that you need to translate. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I'm really fortunate. Schedule would still be just this idea in my head, if it wasn't for my husband, 
Josh, who had a lot of experience and continues to with creating products through a job he had like two jobs ago. So let's say you don't have a spouse that knows about products and whatnot. Believe it or not, I'd say by asking, by starting uh, within your own network and saying, I have an idea and, you know, it's a new kind of marker. And, you know, how would I even produce this? I think you'd People would be surprised to know that by asking people and maybe if, you know, a coworker or a friend or family member doesn't have the answer right away, I truly believe once you start talking about an idea, there's a bit of a ripple effect. And so Mm -hmm. the next time you connect with your friend, your friend might then say, oh, I know someone who dot, 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 or going onto social media. I mean, I know it can be a little vulnerable to put yourself out there and say, I know nothing about manufacturing, but I have an idea. I I truly believe in my core that there are so many kind people out there that love sharing their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the LinkedIn community, that would absolutely be the way to go. Mm-hmm. And even just straight up Googling and then and then putting the time in to actually make like we found someone to produce our products, a family business, which was great, a father-son team, maybe 45 minutes away from us. We're just outside of Boston. And we, my husband and I spent that time developing the relationship with them, getting to know other vendors to see who would be a good fit for us. It was important for us that we make our products stateside but you know, it all comes down to numbers too and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I think really asking if you don't know and and, and yeah. recognizing like, oh, that this is sort of scary, but that's okay. It can be scary. Start talking about it. Yeah. It's a great advice for like anything that you're trying to do. Just just ask. Yeah. Start asking and don't be afraid to ask. And we talk yes. about that a lot. We just met uh, last week's episode with Whitney, the idea of elevating the conversations that you have with people in your circle, which is just like, yeah, don't just talk about what your kids are up to. Talk about your ideas. You never know who's next to you in the pickup line might, yeah. you know, they might manufacture things. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> I listened to that episode and I was like, darn too. And that is what you do because you just, you don't know. And people love helping people. I think especially yes. parents, there's something about, because we know how hard it is when we have that record scratch moment where our lives yeah. change and suddenly it's like, we'll take any type of help we can get. Mm-hmm. And I, I always get like a ping, like a, a good feeling when I can offer, when I can connect people together mm-hmm. or help someone, you know, with something yeah. big or small. Yeah. Uh, most people love to help and share. I think yeah. we do. It, yeah. does. it gives out yeah. all of us a little thing. And that, were there yeah. some things that went better than others or some lessons that maybe you learned that you could <laughs> share with us? Absolutely. It's all about the sharing. Um, let's see. I'll start with challenges first. One challenge was completely underestimating the amount of time it takes to translate an idea, right? And turn it into a product. Mm -hmm. And then in our case, we use Kickstarter, right? So we we had to spend a lot of time putting together our story. What's our message? Why would someone want to, you know, help us out so we could get that first print run? And- in my mind's eye, I thought that the social media component would take less time. I mean, I just assumed everything would take less time mm-hmm. than it did. 
And in hindsight, I wish I had reminded myself or thought to myself, you know, the first time you do anything, it always takes longer because you don't have a point of reference. You don't have that background knowledge. So that was something that was definitely and still is really challenging. You know, it's already just as as parents were pulled in so many different directions, let alone trying to, to launch a product, to launch a company. It is really hard. It's hard. But I'd have to say what's been so gratifying is seeing people not only by the calendars and we have different kinds we have schedule for kids which is great for fostering independence with you know their schoolwork but then also like emotional check-ins like how are you feeling today you know just and just circling a, a smiley face spectrum to like a sad face spectrum and what's really cool is then receiving text from friends of friends, like, oh, I was at my friend's house and look what I saw, you know, in their kid's room. And so these, you know, it's, yeah, oh, this isn't coming from my mom or my dad or, (laughs) you know, my friends. It's now slowly rippling out. And we even have customers abroad, like in France and Amsterdam. And that, and it's been such a trip to have to now use Google Translate to try to make sure we're meeting our customers' needs. And so it is really, it's, it's very trippy to imagine that 8,000 miles away, there's this little seed idea I had like smacked on someone's wall in Italy. It's just pretty it's great. really cool. It's really cool. That, you know what? And I feel oh, podcasting is a little tough. It is not a visual medium, but we're talking so much about schedule. So we'll overlay for anybody who yeah, is watching the video. You can see that. And obviously we'll share pictures of it in the group and stuff. And you can go to the website and check it out as well. But for people who may be driving and uh, not able to look at that right now, can you give us a little breakdown of kind of what, what they would see when they order this product or what they will be looking at? Absolutely. So we have a schedule seven, which is a seven day planner. And so at the top of the planner, you'll see the quote of the week. I mean, I will just Google on a Sunday night, like inspiring quotes or funny quotes or, you know, Tina Turner um, passed recently. Yeah. Like, is there something like I, I do like incorporating current events at times. I just sort of think it's it's neat. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, adds to the conversation, right? When you're yes, at the dinner absolutely. table. Yeah. Why did mom choose that quote or dad? Or sometimes my children will choose, like if they are anticipating like a big event at school or with athletics, like go for it, you know? Yeah. And then below the quote, we have the days a week broken out into seven different categories Or if you wanted a smaller schedule, we have Friday and Saturday put under one column. So it's just your your preference. And then that's where I'm listing, you know, whatever our activities are, doctor's appointments, all that good stuff. And then at the very bottom of the column, we have a to-do brick. We call them bricks. And then we have the menu brick. And then last but not least, in the far right corner, we have... Tell me something good. And that's an opportunity to hit the pause button at any time during the week and jot down something that went well for you. So it could be something, you know, as simple as I went to a friend's house and we had such a fun time or Mm -hmm. I aced a test or mom or dad did well in a podcast interview or, you know, which I will be... (laughs) <laughs> Put that on there. there. Right now. Yeah, write I, that on there the minute you leave here. Yes. I love that. Yeah, such a nice little gratitude That kind of gave practice. me chills. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm glad. You know, it's funny. It's like sometimes it feels 
I know kindness has become a, like language that's more popular, rightfully so, and appreciation and gratitude. And then sometimes I do get a little nervous saying like, oh, yeah, we do have a section where you should write down something good. And I have to work on re-hardwiring that part of my brain to just focus on why I'm really proud of it. Because I am. It's important to celebrate these little milestones or big milestones that mm-hmm. you and your family experience on a daily or weekly basis. Yeah, to focus on something other than the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because it's so easy to just become robotic and go through the motions and forget about that human side, right? Because it all mm-hmm. comes down to our emotions and how we're feeling. And it's yeah. through these good events that we feel these great feelings. Yeah. And I love having a specific invitation for them to share that because it's so funny. I think I've seen a couple memes about this too, but my son is infamous for it where he'll, I'll be like, how's your day? It's good, whatever. And then I'll get a newsletter from the school and I'll see a picture of him like you know, holding the back of a dragon puppet while they're doing some like thing. I'm like, oh, did something happen today? Or, you know, they'll be sitting there eating crepes that someone's making in a French class or something. I'm like, okay, that's something to talk that's a cool thing to talk about. And I just think yeah. that so much happens during their day that they don't necessarily think, oh, it's not like, well, my daughter does have raccoons run around her school, so that's noteworthy. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but, but, you know, if they don't feel like it's so over the top exciting right. that they're like, eh, it's not that remarkable. Why would I even mention it? But to have an invitation and a space for them to just share those little things, I love it. I do too. I have trouble answering that question as an adult. When people are like, how was your day that I just do with the like that gut reaction of it was fine. It was great. Exactly. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody like I'll run into somebody and be like, what have you been up to? And I, I'm up to a bunch of things, but I can't think of a single one to answer that question. <laughs> Trick um, question. So yeah. So I'm sure when they come home from school tired, like that's hard. But maybe that little reminder on the wall when the when it strikes them, they can go write a mm-hmm. note about something good. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then once they do that, then that's for us our schedules in our kitchen where we eat dinner. So it's very easy to see, oh, you mentioned, you know, da, 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 like, let's talk about it type thing. Yeah. So, or encourage kids if they are sharing from their day, you know, go grab a dry erase marker, like put that up there. That's really important, you know? And I, yeah, I appreciate what you said, Susan. It doesn't have to be in Missy too. Like it doesn't have to be anything huge. You know, sometimes it's these small moments that are just as powerful, if not more so than, facing the test or whatnot. Yep. Not that that yeah. stuff isn't important. Yeah. Love it. It really is. Okay. Well, people need to go check out Schedule and we'll put all the links to all of that. We'll go over that at the end too, but we'll make sure everybody knows where to find it and buy it, but it's a great product and it is really customizable and you can use it for so many things, but we also want to pivot and talk about some of the other things you're doing all about the pivots here. <laughs> I, uh, I really- Recently, I read your essay, How I Discovered the Advantage Motherhood Offers, and talk about getting chills. It gave me chills, and we'll link to it in the show notes. It's over on Medium. But that fear, it's about the fear of being undervalued, that people will not think mothers can do the job or whatever the task may be. And meanwhile, we're superheroes. But it's a real concern with any job, I think. So can you talk a little bit about what inspired that essay for you and why you wrote it? Thank you for reading it, first of all. That really means sure. a lot. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it and you you took something away from it. I was scrolling through LinkedIn and I'd recently connected with an attorney that we had been using for schedule. 
And she posted a story about essentially why you'd want to work with her, but her angle was really unique. She said, you know, when I was pregnant with twins, my goal was to deliver them naturally without any pain medication. And first of all, I'm like, whoa, good for you. That's great. Why is this on, you know, LinkedIn? This feels like a Facebook type of comment, right? (laughs) But I, I read on, very curious. And she went on to share how with her organizational style, with her determination, she laid out the steps needed to be taken in order for her to fulfill her goal. Mm. And, and that's the essence of the post. Mm-hmm. And that just rocked my world because here's this, this woman who is not hiding the fact or downplaying the fact that she's a, a mother of twins and that makes her more of a liability, right? Like that's, that's how I felt when I was returning to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's shining a light on it. She's she's using it to show how it enhances the work that she does. And that was a huge moment for me because I stopped and I thought, oh, my goodness. Yes, I was a great teacher before I had children. But hot damn, am I an, an even better educator now? And for me, it was it was a moment to realize that, you know, when I was interviewing for jobs and I was returning to work, I felt like I had to hide the fact that I was a mom. I mean, I clearly shared it. I had children and Mm -hmm. whatnot, but I was so worried that that would make me a liability. And after reading that essay, I thought about all of the things I do so well, like motherhood offers this very unique skill set. And that isn't to say that if you aren't a parent, you don't, you don't bring your unique skill sets to the table. But for me, like the way I, I have to anticipate now as a mom, the importance of being an empathetic listener, Mm -hmm. um, multitask anyone, you know, like (laughs) making those split second decisions. And I realized like, yes, like, I feel like we've been trained to think that I don't know. There's this, it's, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like there's this cultural perception that if you're staying at home, raising your children full time, that somehow you're, you know, it's like those commercials from the eighties, like women eating bonbons or I mean, what is a bonbon? (laughs) I still don't know, but do you know what I mean? Where to have one. (laughs) Someone, someone's telling the story for us that Mm -hmm. you're just kicking back and relaxing. It's the most ruling yet rewarding job that we have. And that just shifted everything for me. And it's my hope that women who are or or primary caregivers that are thinking about going back to work, part-time, quarter-time, full-time, whatever, that they pause and they recognize all that, that they've done that is applicable to a job. But with that said, if you're a caregiver, you're full-time, you work full-time from home, but you do not get paid, no mm-hmm. benefits, no vacations. Right. Familiar. But, yeah. <laughs> but that it's still, you are still just as valuable and you still have so much to offer. And I guess I felt like when I wasn't working outside of the home, I I didn't have as much to feel valuable over, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You're singing our song. (laughs) That's why we started the podcast, to try to remind moms that they are mom and dot, dot, dot. Yes. There's so so much else. 
Yes. And I think that's what the two of you are are doing and what you've created and what's growing because of it is this, when we all get together and we start talking and listening to each other's stories, we become stronger and there's, there's a validation like, oh, heck yeah, it's really hard to do this, 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 and that, and not get that external, you know, reward or type of recognition rather from a boss. It's really hard when you work your butt off and, you know, maybe your partner will say, hey, thanks, I appreciate it, but it's really hard. And so knowing that, and I feel that way too, when I connect with someone new or if I'm following like a, I don't know, I, I stumbled upon this comedian slash, I don't think she's a comedian. She's just a mom telling it how it is on Instagram. And somehow it made me feel better to hear her talk about how hard it is to be a mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So strength in numbers. Yeah. Sure. Solidarity, sure. ladies. But <laughs> And as much as we do value, obviously, staying at home, we do love moms taking those risks like you did from the manufacturing side with schedule, but also you have taken your passion for books and writing and reading and harnessed that for this really cool service of hosting these live book events where you talk to authors in your community. And I do think that that is We've kind of talked about the distinction between, you know, the product versus the service. So that is something that uh, it's an idea, something that probably a lot of our listeners do have, whether it may be their writing or their art or something that they mm-hmm. want to just kind of expand on in a more public way. So what did that look like for you then? Absolutely. For me, it started when I was welcoming authors into the middle school where I work at. And I realized, you know what, I'd love for my local bookstore to benefit from this instead of, you know, Amazon or or an Mm e-commerce site. And so I have to say, I felt really comfortable using my work email address, reaching out to my Uh, local bookstore owner mm -hmm. that, of course, you know, I'm in there. She knew who I was sort of, but not, you know, too well. And when I offered her the idea of, hey, could we partner? And when, whenever an author comes to our school, you know, we could offer that you would, you know, have a supply of books. And it was very nerve wracking. You know, it's, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but that idea of putting yourself out there and asking, and she loved it. She's a working parent herself. And so that's how our relationship began. And then I met Missy at a Zivi retreat. Um, mm-hmm. All roads seem to lead to Zivi Owens. That's days, for sure. Which is a great thing. And so when Zibby's, uh memoir was coming out, bookends, she said, it was about a year or so ago, she said, hey, mm-hmm. I'm just putting it out into the universe. If anyone wants to host me at their local independent bookstore, let me know. And I felt very nervous reaching out to my bookseller friend, Mary Cotton of Newtonville Books, because I thought, oh God, this is personal. This I'm not using my work address now. I can't hide behind my mm-hmm. work address. <laughs> and it it was scary. And she was all for it. She said, that's great. Let's do it. And so that sort of opened up a lot of opportunities to take my passion of, you know, helping getting books into readers' hands and helping authors, because it is so hard to be an author. Mm-hmm. But I've thought about like, for your listeners, okay, let's say you, you know, don't have that email address from wherever you work, right? Like how, what, what would you do? And 
I really believe wholeheartedly in the value of relationships. So whatever idea you have, that little spark that comes to mind, I guess if I were to do it again with that different set of parameters, I would go into the bookstore and I'd bring a friend with me because strength in numbers, you know, again, mm-hmm. like sometimes it's just nice to have someone by your side and just say, hey, you know, if you're ever interested in, you know, doing this or, I, you know, I, I think it's okay to not have something concrete to share with someone that you don't know well that you want to partner with. I think keeping it loose and saying, hey, you know what? I love to read. I, I love connecting authors. I love supporting your bookstore if you're ever interested. And you know, grabbing coffee and spitballing, like let's talk and keeping it really loose. Mm-hmm. And then that way also too, because, you know, I'm a human being. I don't, I don't like rejection mm-hmm. and it, and there's something really soft about like, chances are no one's going to say no right on the spot. You're also volunteering your time. Everyone will say yes to that. Yeah. Right. And, and keeping it really open, right? Like, let's see if anything transpires. Yeah. It's that being brave again. Like, yeah. People are, for the most part, pretty decent. So they're not going to yell at you or laugh you out of the room or they may say no eventually, but it's probably not going to be as horrible as you think it's going to be, whatever the no looks like. Absolutely. And the no is, you know, there's so much to learn from that. And and I, I really trust fate. And if my bookseller had said, no, you know, this isn't a good fit, but thank you. Again, a human being, she would be kind about it. I would knock on another door, you know, yeah. but it's, it's, what's that adage? You know, the, the, something with like the first step is the hardest. Um, I'm going to mess this up, but you know, it's like the hardest <laughs> part is taking that first step, it, right? It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. Just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. Even sharing with a friend, like, oh, I have this idea to, you know, get involved with such and such local business, even sharing it with a friend who maybe is not interested in being your wing person or, but yeah. somehow when you say the words out loud, you're, you're not trapped. They're not trapped in your head and you have mm-hmm. someone else that maybe will encourage you like, Hey, did you drop by, you know, the stationery store or whatever? Cause you're really interested yeah. in teaching calligraphy or whatever it may be. I think words really go a long way. I agree. And I want to, we're getting so close on time. I cannot I believe how fast this hour is going. I'm a talker. But- I'm <laughs> and we're so it. glad. We're so glad. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we cannot have a librarian on and not talk about what's going on with banning books right now. And I don't even know what our real questions are. I, we're just mad. <laughs> just like, how do we stop it? Like, yeah. Like, how do we contribute to the fight to keep books on shelves? What do we do when there are so many people in our communities focused on the book instead of the real problems in the world? And how do we support librarians? Because I know librarians are probably getting the brunt of the mess, especially at school libraries where they're like, oh, why do we have this book that that they deem inappropriate and unacceptable? Mm -hmm. Don't Um, let your kid read it, but my kid can read it. It makes me insane. Yeah, absolutely, Missy. Absolutely. And answer all that in two minutes. (laughs) Yes, I will. Okay, ready? Go. Okay. I'd say first off, Buying books that are banned and gifting them, whether to family members, friends, your children, or a little free library is huge because ultimately it all comes down to commerce. And if the publishers see that the books are moving off the shelves, they're going to continue to support the subject matter that's in those books. And you know what? 
I'm on a budget myself, even checking those books out from the library, that counts too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Rating them on Goodreads. Publishers love Goodreads. So that is oh, something that's nice. that's really helpful. I'd say additionally, it's usually a very small group of people or a person that has the mm -hmm. time in the organization to mm -hmm. show up at these school committee meetings or a principal's office and share their concerns. And I we our plates are so full, but you know, if you're able to either, you know, check in on a school committee meeting once in a while, or our school committee meeting will share like digests, and that's where they're gonna flag some of this this nonsense. So I think that's yeah. really helpful too. Supporting the American Library Association is a big one. They just I think they just wrapped up a letter writing campaign to uh, your senators and Congress people, mm -hmm. that really goes a long way. You get your kids involved with that, you know, get postcards, do a little like afternoon art activity or something like that, and then send them off. I mean, your children can definitely be involved with, with that too. And sharing on your social feeds, you know, how infuriating it is that Missy, like you said, it's, it's one person that doesn't want their child reading about a topic and now suddenly no one can read about the topic. So just, yeah. yeah. So it's part political, it's part, you know, personal. And then it's also, you know, voting with your wallet. Yeah, I, that's a great tip. And I really had not thought about it from that perspective, which sounds dumb to say out loud. But I mean, I think we're going to post no. a list of banned books and just encourage yeah. people to buy them, check them out, share them. That's a simple thing. And like you said, if you are on a budget, check them out from the library, call Absolutely. libraries, ask for them. Here, I'm going to I'm going to share some say. of these because these are some of the most popular ones to ban. And they are my favorite. Obviously, I am the sex ed person, but the, I love that what, is, what is the big secret? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not the stork. Classic. And yeah, it's not the story. It's, it's so amazing. We're, we're, these are my I don't fave. know that one. Oh, they're all from the same. Um, Robbie H. Harris, the writer, and illustrated by Michael Emberley. And mm. it's so sad. I've read, I don't even know if it was Robbie. I think it was Robbie that I was just seen on Instagram who gets accused of being, you know, a groomer or a pedophile mm -hmm. for writing these books. That just, I mean, y'all need to check them out. They're just adorable. My kids have been reading them. I bought this stack of books when Zoe, the one who's graduating right now, was in her twos and threes class. And we had yeah. the sex educator, Amy Lang, come and do mm -hmm. her talk. Just such an amazing thing for kids to be learning from a very young age in the privacy of your own home, yeah, but also, right. you know, having access to in libraries. So right. we could do an entire Soapbox. episode on the hypocrisy of my body, my choice, don't ram your, yes. you know, like they, if they want personal freedom and all blah, blah, blah. And saying they're not, you know, you can't make me take the vaccine. You can't do that. But I can make your kid not have these books. Yeah. <laughs> so Suzanne, you may have to edit all that out because like, I'm just mad and rambling at this point, but like <laughs> we could do an episode on it. It makes me mad. Makes oh me real my mad. gosh, I know. Um, so much hypocrisy. Oh, I'm glad we brought that up though. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I want people to think about I it. I appreciate you bringing that up. About it. And we're going to pivot again and go totally another way and go to our yeah. look, listen, learns, which are yes. just sort of, that's fun. But uh, before we go to that, where can our listeners find you? Where's the best place to follow you? Instagram, it's uh, at Gene Steele with an underscore at the very end. I cursed the day I deleted my at Gene Steele account years ago. But, the, oh. but you know what? You could just go to uh, GeneSteele.com and then you'll have all your info there. 
Got All it. Right. <laughs> All right. And then we will also put the schedule site and the thank you show notes. I couldn't even think of the word. Thank you, Suzanne, <laughs> for editing me. Those <laughs> things that we type and we put them on the computer. I might be leave there. It in. And then and don't forget too, I think we we shared a uh, 20% off code for your yes. listeners. So they're in yes. higher order. We even have dry erase markers on there and you know all that stuff. But that's so generous. Yes. I mean, 20% is that's significant. Another little wiper. We're excited. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got that wiper. You're ready to roll. Yes. Yeah. So awesome. But it is time for Look, Listen, Learns. And so anyone who's new here, welcome. Thank you for listening today. And we spend a few minutes at the end of every show talking about what we're looking at, listening to, learning. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's serious. It's books, music. We aren't sticklers about what category things go in, just wherever it feels right. And um, we don't like to put our guests in the hot seat. So Suzanne, what are you look listening, learning this week? Oh, well, since I kind of went off on my little thing about these books, I'm going to I'm going to change my look. I'm going to change my look to the New York Times bestselling series with It's Not the Stork. It's so amazing. And what is the big secret? They are based on different age groups for kiddos, depending on, you know, what is age appropriate and what they're kind of ready to learn. I, yeah. I joke about these books. For the first couple of years, I would have them and I'd bring them in and we'd read them. And then I'd bring it out a few months later and we'd read it again. And it was as if they had never seen it before. And so mm -hmm. I just think, I mean, for anybody who thinks that we are grooming or like we're brainwashing these kids. No, they take in what their brains are ready to take in. Yes, and then the rest of it just kind of goes bloop. And they remember kind of little bits of it, but it's just this layering conversation. So you mm -hmm. never, ever have to have, quote unquote, the talk. It's just this ongoing discussion and conversation. They take in what their little brains are able to take in at that point. And then the yeah. next time you read it, it's just like, seriously, were you paying attention at all last time? <laughs> uh, yes, the number yeah. of time we have had to explain certain things like the menstrual cycle. I mean, yes. they're boys and it's just, yeah, they don't, brain care. And they don't care. <laughs> yeah, the like, real what thing happens again? What are you talking about? <laughs> the real thing I was looking at though, is the succession finale, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it because I know you have not watched it yet, Missy. I know I've not started season three. So sometime this summer we'll get to it. Yes. And my listen, I have not actually listened to, but my husband was like, you are not going to believe who is the guest on Smartless this week. Did oh, you see it? To it yet? But I saw the guest. The yeah. mode. Oh my god! Oh, I'm so dang. excited. I was <laughs> fan girling out. I was so excited. I um, love it. So I've not listened to it yet. And then learn. You know what? I'm going to save my learn for next time. I am. I'll just I'll do a little teaser here. I am learning because I'm in all these curly hair groups mm -hmm. that there. And you type your hair based on you know the curly or the wave level, and a big movement has take is taking place there about unless you have textured like if you are black and have textured natural hair that is curly anything else is pretty much wavy and there's hmm. a lot of people who are like i've been told i had curly hair my whole life i just want to call it curly and you know and i was kind of at that stage just because i didn't realize the background of it um, yeah. And I was like, why are we caring about curly or wavy or whatever? But there's a deeper 
story behind it as far as I kind of like how self-care there's this racial background undertone mm-hmm. to it that a lot of us white ladies had never really clued into had never thought twice about right. until we actually started having these conversations there's a curly wavy thing that is similar and I'm learning about it and so I'll have to tell more about it because all I know is that there is a difference and I'm think what I'm understanding is that a bunch of us white ladies who think that we have curly hair, but it is not truly curly, curly Hmm. are going and buying these products that are made for African-American hair and then writing shitty reviews because it's too heavy for our hair. And then the manufacturers are like, oh, well, people are complaining about it. We're going to start, you know, taking out some of the things that make it weight down hair for these people who are buying it, who are the wrong market. It's not for our hair. And so these products that are specifically for women of color, their hair, black women's hair, they're losing access to it because it's being manufactured in a way that does not work for their hair anymore because we are buying outside of what is for our, for our actual hair. So I'm learning more, but I just, uh, if that is something that people are hearing about and they're like me and their first thing is like, well, yeah, heck yeah, t- tell me this hair is not curly. Um, there's a, there is a reason for it that is deeper than just people trying to be really picky about how they term hair. So I'm, I'm learning about that and I will learn more and I'll yeah, continue to share talk. with us what you learn next week. Yes. What about right, you? Well, what Jean? about you, Jean? Yeah. What you got going on? Okay. Look, of course, I'm going to take that as an opportunity to talk about reading, right? Yes. So I'm reading this book, The Lioness of Boston, and it follows uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner. She was, you know, in her prime in the 1870s, 1880s in Boston, and she was a she was a feminist before the word feminist even existed. She yeah. had a really hard time fitting into the blue blood. Boston society, uh, much as she tried, but she was a very forward thinking woman. And it's a historical fiction book about how she learned to speak up and be her true self. And she curated this gorgeous collection of art from around the world and her home eventually became a museum. And it's just, it's an important reminder for me that being different, it's not something to hide. Like it's, it's, it's okay to just, you know, be who you are and it can be hard to not assimilate and fit in or it feels like that at times but it's really powerful to just to follow your heart and i'm really enjoying it and this lady was no joke no joke oh, i'm dying to read that I've been i know to the museum. it's really good it's really it's a fast read too listen um okay so i mentioned tina turner earlier and I like to listen to um, I'll listen to some like meditations or that type of stuff on the way into work. But I always like to punctuate my drive in as I'm pulling into the staff parking lot with like something upbeat and fun and smart. A couple. I appreciate that. Right. Like music is powerful. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why, but I just, you know, I just had the idea like Proud Mary. And this is before Tina Turner had passed. And for about, you know, the past week I've been listening just to proud Mary and hot damn. I love that song because she is in the driver's seat. Like she's like, okay, we're going to start off nice and easy. (laughs) Then, And then she goes on to tell you what to anticipate. This song's going to end like rough and strong. And, And I love that she's totally in control. And then I also really like that, that the lyrics are about, you know, people who are just trying to make 
ends meet, you know, working for the man every night and day and, and, you know, never getting to the good side of town. And there are times where I'll just, I live in a beautiful bubble. I, I live a charmed life for sure. And not that I don't have my own challenges, but it's a reminder for me as here I am having the privilege to pursue my dreams that it can be very hard for some people. And I, I think especially now it, it's very easy to forget about those that are disenfranchised and and so I, I I love the cadence, I love the spirit of the song, but I also like that it takes me someplace else for a moment and mm-hmm. widens my perspective on things, especially before I go into school and and I'm with students and I've you know students that aren't eating breakfast at home or things right. like that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I love That's that. Awesome. Okay, learn. I'm gonna be totally honest. I've learned to become much more efficient in the morning. And I put my makeup on at stoplights on the way to work. (laughs) I just keep my makeup in a bag or if I have to finish it in the women's room at school. Do you know what I mean? Like time is money, everybody. I don't have time to spend 15 minutes, but I can be stuck in traffic. And and recently I complimented a friend at work, a fellow mother. God, your eye makeup is amazing. And she's like, do you want to know a secret? I'm like, yes. Yes. I put my makeup on at the at every stoplight on the way to work. I'm like, oh, me too. Yes, sister. I'm telling you, it's a real time saver. How many times do you get honked at? Or do you? I guess uh, you can keep an eye on the light while you have one eye in the mirror. I'm pretty <laughs> in Boston traffic. Okay. I bet you have a long enough period of time to sit there to do an eye. <laughs> yes, yes. That is a time saving hack. Just be safe, people. <laughs> ne- Make sure never, you are fully stopped. Never, yes, never wear while the car is in motion. And if I pull into that parking lot and my makeup isn't done, whatever, I'll get to it sometime in the morning or I don't get to it. It's all good. Right. Yeah. That's also okay. I see people doing it all the time and I just don't feel gifted enough to be able to put on my mascara in an automobile. (laughs) I see people do it. Give it a try it one time, you know, like on a Saturday or something where, you know, I do always put my lipstick on, on the go. That seems to be the thing I never remember. There you go. So I'll be doing yes. it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What do you look, listen, learn, and Missy? Oh gosh. I just can't even believe I'm going to tell you all I'm watching this, but I have been watching The Secrets of Hillsong, which is a documentary about Hillsong Church. I don't know what that is. And it's good. That's good. You don't know. Um, and <laughs> Are I will you worried say we're going to judge you <laughs> right here <laughs> a little bit. It's right here. Like there's a trigger warning. It's there's religious trauma sexual assault trauma mm. it's a lot of crap i have an endless fascination with the fact that people still continue to be surprised when religious leaders do bad things mm-hmm. and i'm grinning while i say that but I, it's more of like a morbid curiosity but i just i don't understand it i caught on very young that these people who are revered as leaders are just people um and there's nothing wrong with just being people but there's something wrong with covering up bad stuff and Mm -hmm. being focused just on money and success and you know we can't tell anybody this because it'll bring down the church kind of stuff so it's fascinating it's awful i i just don't know why i can't turn away from it it makes me feel terrible when i watch it though but (laughs) and i will just say anybody who has unpacking religious stuff which i have been doing for a number of years now it's hard at times so i watch it in little bits and pieces um, I don't know how many episodes total it is, maybe just like four. Um, oh. And I've seen three. 
that I've watched had to spread out. So it's on Hulu if anyone is interesting. Mm -hmm. So that is, I am okay. I have, may have doing some looking and out. learning with that because then I've gone to do some research. And yeah. I don't judge yeah, you though because I watch Bama Rush. So, <laughs> well, you have to tell us. I know it's not currently you're you're not your look listen learn and you won't maybe don't want to talk about it but you can edit it out i've heard it's not worth watching and it was on my list what do you yeah, think it's it's not well it depends what you're watching it for it yeah. ended up being more the story of the woman who's actually doing the documentary that's what i heard um and she which, has alopecia which is yeah interesting, she has right? alopecia yeah. and it's just this very interesting story about her kind of weaving her story with her alopecia and how that weaves into i guess some of the girls who are then rushing okay. for i thought it was going to be more entertain not scandalous but more like in the yeah i, thought, know, I thought it was going to be like bama rush stuff. tiktok like, no it was very no the, the i mean it was interesting if you go into it knowing that it's going to be more of the story of the documentarian and not as much about the bama rush it should be the yeah i don't know yeah. But, yeah. To the point of like everybody has a story and it's kind of interesting yeah. and you can find how, you know, learn about yourself and all that things through other experiences. So that was interesting, but it's very much framed. I mean, it's called Bama Rush. You'd think it'd be like, right, like it's Bama Rush. In, in a documentary, you more to know more about the subject than the maker usually. Yeah. But what the yeah. it sounds like a mockumentary where it ends up being just about. <laughs> Let me tell you about character. me. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. <laughs> and I thought <laughs> it was about you. The first time she did it, I thought it was just going to be this like, oh, what an interesting like peek behind the lens. And and Chris, my husband really hates it. Like we watch um, Survivor and mm -hmm. the the host, the season that we're watching right now, he's like, they're breaking. Is it the, called the third wall or whatever yeah. it is? He's like, I don't like it when he breaks the third wall because he'll be doing something. And all of a sudden he'll turn to the camera and be like, now we're going to let the contestants come in or whatever. And, and he'll be like, stop it. <laughs> like, I don't like <laughs> don't it. Talk <laughs> don't talk to me. And so it was very much the first time she did it was just a little bit of like, ooh, interesting. Okay, there's somebody mm -hmm. behind the camera. But then all of a sudden it was like, let me tell you a little bit more. And I don't know. She, I mean, she seems like a very nice woman. I have nothing against her. Yeah. It's just like not what I was going for, like just total sugar. Just I, I wanted a cotton out. candy yeah. show. I didn't want to have to yeah. have the deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> so, right, right. right. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to see their OOTD, their outfit of the day. I no, know. Is it anything serious? No. Yes. So, no, if you're, if you're ready to think deep thoughts about Rush and how that applies to our self concept and our self worth and that type of thing, then. Okay. If you if you just want some outfit of the days and yeah, it's not that's not what it's for. Okay, good to know. No. Anyway, oh, now I've had too many looks. <laughs> I took over your look, Missy. That's all right. That's all right. I have a really quick listen learn. It's the same thing. I've been listening to You Should Write a Book with Camille Pagan. I've talked about her before. I've she's been my look like I've read her books, but she has a podcast called You Should Write a Book, and it vary the topics vary, but and the one I've been listening to recently is about the business and how to have a successful debut, which I am definitely cart before the horse. I have so many words left to write, but it's, it's been interesting and it's encouraging. So I was thinking about you, Jean, that it would be something you might want to listen to as well, because you're getting close. I'm writing it down for sure. Yeah. That's a good, I've heard great things about her. Admittedly, I've, this will be my first sit down reading her. Oh, yeah, work. I love I love her books. They just they just hit me the right way. Like, they're good, but her story is interesting. You know, she's had 
the ups and downs that so many authors have had. She's been dropped by publishers. She's had terrible reviews. She's had mm-hmm. bad luck and has figured out how to make this work for herself and is now sharing it. So I think that's great. And how cool is that, right? That mm-hmm. it isn't like this this guarded secret. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I feel that's like especially with... Her. Yeah, like that, like no one need not go through the pain and struggles that I've gone through. Like I am putting it out there. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's just like there's ways around this. You don't have to suffer. Yeah. And where are you in your book, Jane? I am going through another round of revisions. I started working with a book coach. Again, I met through the Zibby Mm -hmm. world and I can't recommend it enough because I finally have, it's almost equivalent to a doula. It's like, I have someone holding my hand saying mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Or I can talk with someone outside of like a, a blood relative or my husband. And <laughs> do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So I she's do. given yep. me amazing feedback. I can't say enough positive things about author accelerator. And oh, uh, we love author accelerator. Yes, I didn't realize it. Okay. Je- we love Jenny Nash. I'm a yeah. for Jenny yeah. I, only discovered her recently, recently, excuse me, of course, through Zibby. Like anything book or writing wise, I always have to cite my source and say it came from Zibby Owens. Um, <laughs> it's a Zibby Zibby world. world and we're just living in it. Yeah. Yes, okay. sister. Okay. Well, then I have another list and we talk about this all the time. Our friend Abby, who uh, does the Mom Writes podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, she does not do it anymore. Um, it yeah. was like five years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, that's how I met Abby, actually. And she's just become, we've had her on as a guest and her she's chicken fantastic. and several of her animals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she actually worked with Jenny, but she and her friend who both, they, Let's see. I think Abby was she is just starting her book and Melanie was uh, had a book in a drawer. So mm-hmm. they were kind of at different stages of their books, but they were getting coached by Jenny through the course of this podcast. Um, yeah. Week by week is pretty awesome. And it was so cool. So she met Jenny, obviously, through doing that. And I know not everybody that you get coached with through Author Accelerator is Jenny. <laughs> we're just really big fans of hers. But the yeah. the whole group of coaches that they work with in that program, just I've been so impressed with everybody that I've met through there. So big fans. That's awesome. That's so great to yeah. hear, you know, that it's not just like a, a one-off with my experience and yeah, again, like strength in numbers. When you're working mm-hmm. with a community of people, you're not you're not alone. You have that yeah. support. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. It is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And everybody yeah. can use a coach. We learned that because KJ Delantonia had Jenny yeah. work with her on her in her really? boots. Where do I have in her boots here? I think I do. I know I have been secretly looking at both yeah. of your oh, um, bookcases. Ladies, uh, chicken sisters yeah. with me. Oh, chicken! Oh it was gosh, chicken sisters. It. Yeah, I was wondering why oh. it didn't have the Reese Witherspoon sticker on it. Of course, yeah. this. Oh, this was the advanced copy before it became a Reese. Yeah. I haven't read Reese. that book. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, it's a oh, lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Lot so, fun. Chicken Sisters was the she one. She has a new one coming out that's like witchy, and I'm so yeah. excited. Uh, Ooh. Playing the witch card is the next one card. we're just going to yeah. dedicate this episode to kj delantonia <laughs> but yeah it's not the first time <laughs> we we had her on many moons ago too and she mm-hmm. was sharing she had jenny obviously um help her with the chicken sisters book and just the idea that here was this woman who was an editor of the well family for new york times for years and years and years a 
very accomplished writer, but even she benefited from having mm -hmm. a coach when mm -hmm. writing her first fiction book. So I just thought it was a really powerful thing that there's just no shame in asking for a community or for help or for this doula yeah. to help you through this right. process. So. Whatever it is you're doing, a business coach, a life coach, a book coach, yeah. a running coach. Like we have talked to so many guests who just, they look like, and they are, they're at the top of their game, but they're not doing it alone. And they see the value in having that outside source who's not yeah your husband or your partner <laughs> yes. or your whoever it is, your friend that you dump on all the time, like <laughs> someone who is really there to guide whatever this is you're doing. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I think about yeah. that with the, with the two of you, right? That you as a team, you're your own powerhouse where you can feed off of each other. You can bring in different guests from different perspectives. And I imagine that it's it has to be really empowering to have a partner to do this important work that you're doing versus shouldering it all on your own. This yes. would not happen. Uh, Suzanne might make this happen on her own. I think about that a lot. Like, I think Suzanne could do this <laughs> by herself. <laughs> but, but I would not be here did I, if I not, did not have a partner to do it is it's synergistic and it brings a different energy to it and we do each like bring that. our own things to it and there's something magical about yeah. working with another person I'm a Gretchen Rubin obliger so I need someone else that I'm accountable to so yes I'm also an obliger that. it's a and it's not a weakness <laughs> yes no that's just how my brain works so yeah I acknowledge that and no I still don't know how two Enneagram nines get anything done at I don't any point. Do <laughs> You're both nines? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's mm -hmm. amazing. Do you know your number? I did back in the day because my mm -hmm. sister participated in all the courses. I'll, I'll ask and I'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Or, or I know, do you want to guess, guess what I think you are? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. a three. But, I think yeah. I am on the lower end of the spectrum. I even forget what that means, but it doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> <So, yeah. laughs> uh, I can see you being a three, or, or maybe a two, or a oh. three with a strong two wing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know enough about it to really guess. Uh, but I know I just I, have a vibe. I'm not very good at typing or no. I'm no. just. I mean, I'm it a took, selfish. How long did grammar. it take us to type ourselves? Oh my god, it took me like, like three months. We had we brought a professional on when we were ver Love first it. starting the podcast. Mm -hmm. One of our very first guests was an Enneagram coach because we were trying yeah. to figure it out. And and we both thought we were sixes for a long time, which yeah. I think is a common nine thing. So yes, <laughs> we've just really covered a lot. <laughs> Yeah, we did. This was so much fun. Oh, the thank bar you for set being here high. on I a told holiday you. day. What's uh, that? Thank you for being here on a holiday day too. Like taking some. Of your thank you for day. hitting the pause button in your respective lives on a holiday day to come chat with me. I, I really, I don't take your time for granted. Oh no, That's it was nice actually an you. absolute pleasure because yes. when things are so hectic and crazy and busy, it's so easy to just start going faster and faster and faster. So it's just really nice to just have a, that pause button. Yes. And I was looking so forward to it today. And I get so energized from these conversations, especially yep. with amazing people like yourself. So it just, this is what I needed to refill and be able to go back and do whatever I was doing outside. Well, now it's too hot. So now you gave me a great excuse to stop doing what I was doing outside and <laughs> kick back and relax. Yeah, sister. exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your holiday day. And I hope to talk to you soon.
Thank you. I hope to talk with you both again. And just thank you again. This was such an amazing opportunity and just keep doing what you're doing. Go, go, go. It's great stuff. You too. Oh, thank you. Have a good afternoon, evening. It's evening where you are. (laughs) Yeah. Have a good evening. (laughs) All right. Thanks. You too. Thanks again. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.